All right, we're going to jump into part three of our sermon series here called Suit Up, and we are talking about putting on the full armor of God. It's a very important topic because we are in the midst of a spiritual battle, if you know it or not, and you are part of the spiritual battle if you want to be or not. So this isn't something that we get to pick, you know, and, and sign up for spiritual battle. That's not how that works. It comes to us, and so we need to be prepared. We need to be ready. But the good news is, for the follower of Jesus, there has been provided the tools that we need to be able to fight this battle and to win. Now, we're going through this series talking about Ephesians chapter 6 and the armor of God. We'll get to this week talking about the belt of truth. So we'll start putting on the pieces of armor this week. But it's important to know that those pieces of armor are provided for us, but we're the ones who have to put them on. God has set them before us, and we need to take them and put them on. So last week we talked about being doers of the word and actually doing it rather than just hearing about it. So it's very important that we actually put on the full armor of God. Well, let's reread Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 20. This is our, our text for this whole series. Very important stuff. So here we go. Ephesians 6 verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. So this week we get to actually putting on some of the armor of God and it starts with the belt of truth. What a great place to start with truth. You know, I'd say our culture has a bit of an issue with truth right now. Would you agree with me that truth is not held in high esteem? And this is something that is very important for us to grab hold of, is to be people of truth. And I'd say that this problem with seeking truth, with being honest about looking at what's real and grabbing a hold of it is something that's not just in the secular or outside of the church culture, but it can also be part of the church culture. And this is something that was prophesied in the New Testament. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5, and get a, a peek at this. 2 Timothy chapter 4, in the presence of God. So this is the Apostle Paul talking to Timothy, the young protege, the, the minister 
who is, is up and coming and he's serving, but he's kind of maybe a, a little bit past where he feels comfortable. He's, he's being stretched. And so Paul is trying to help him by telling him different things and encouraging him and uh, even admonishing him in certain ways. So this is a piece of that. 2 Timothy 4, verse 1. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Paul is telling Timothy that there will be a time when people won't put up with the truth. They won't like the truth. They won't put up with sound doctrine. Instead, they're going to want to hear what they want to hear. And they're going to try to surround themselves with people who will tell them what they want to hear. And to me, this really seems to apply to today's world, that we want to surround ourselves in general with people who are going to say things that we like. Verse 4, they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. The Apostle Paul is telling Timothy that there are people who will not want to hear the truth, but you need to preach the truth anyway. You need to go ahead and stick with the truth of God. I would say in our culture, I wasn't around in Timothy's day, but in our culture, it seems like we've got an issue with wanting to hear what we want to hear and not being able to put up with things that we don't want to hear. So let me ask you this question. Would you rather hear the truth or something else? Now let's not move on from this question too quickly because I think it bears a little bit, a moment of meditation, a moment of searching and seeking. Would you rather hear the truth or something else? Do you think you understand the whole truth? That everything that you think is right and you've got all the main things down. If you want to hear the truth, that means you're going to hear things that you disagree with, that you don't know, that maybe will have a significant impact on the way you see the world and change your attitude and your direction. Do you really want to hear the truth or do you want to stay where you're at? A Bible teacher and church planting consultant guy named Jeff Surratt from a ministry family. He's served in huge churches and, and done tremendous work. Uh, and I've been able to go to some conferences where he's been a speaker. Jeff said in one of his presentations, he said, when you're trying to grow a church, he said, people will put up with heresy, but they won't put up with boredom. And this is just an observation. He's not saying that's how it's supposed to be. But it's very true. People will put up with heresy, but they will not put up with boredom. That's not a good place for us to be. Because let me tell you something. Sometimes the truth is boring. Sometimes the truth isn't the most interesting option. But we must love the truth. Sometimes the truth is simple. Sometimes the truth is more complicated. But sometimes the truth is something we already know. And it's getting kind of boring. And we must still love the truth. Check out Matthew chapter 6, verses 22 and 23. This is Jesus speaking in the Sermon on the Mount. 
Hugely important stuff. I love these two verses. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So what is Jesus talking about here? He's talking about the way that we see the world. When we look out there, what do we see? Do we see truth or do we see something else? Now, when you look out in the world, what do you see? Do you see evil and corruption and everything's falling apart and there's just deception and lies everywhere? Do you see that? Or do you see the love of God, the plan of redemption, the potential for each human being and the kingdom of God? What do you see? Well, there's all kinds of things out there that are wonderful and beautiful. And there are all kinds of things out there that are terrible and destructive. And we need to guard our eyes and see things with the belt of truth on so that we can understand what's really happening and have our eyes be healthy, have our vision be healthy so that we can see what's real. Some of it will be disappointing and difficult and hard and gut-wrenching even, but some of it is beautiful and glorious, and we will see that the plan of God is greater than all the difficulties. We must put on the belt of truth, and that will help us get our eyes right, get our vision aligned with God. What are some things that are opposite of the truth, you know, that exclude the truth? Of course, there's lies. You don't want to be telling lies. Boring truth, don't tell lies. But here's the deal go ahead and don't tell lies. Don't just, oh, yep, Pastor Mike said don't lie. I know that's a commandment. I'm totally on board with that. Of course, I'm going to lie. You know, I agree with the fact that that's in the Bible and very important. Well, you have to actually do it, you have to actually not lie. And it's not enough to just not lie. You also have to not believe lies. This is kind of the second derivative of that. Don't believe lies. Honest, good people can believe lies and be brought into deception just the same. So we need to be careful not to believe things about us, about other people, about this world that aren't true. There's deception. You know, people can live in denial where they're just pretending things are different than they are, and that's excluding the truth. Confusion is even a problem. You know, we want to be able to grab hold of the truth, not be confused pretense, people pretending that something's real when it isn't, pretending they're in a place, but they're just actually not there. Dark emotions can cause us to bend the truth. Research has come a long way with the brain, and they've found out that there are thoughts that we think are rational thoughts, but they're actually just emotional thoughts. Like if you think something like, I never win, that isn't in your thinking part of your brain. That's in your emotional part of your brain. So you can think you never win. Well, sometimes you do, right? That's not even true. And you don't win as often as you want to, but you sometimes do. It's not a rational thought. It's an emotional thought. So we have to deal with these dark emotions, but then there are emotional truths too. Beautiful, incredible emotional truths. When I was growing up, you know, the, the whole plan was stuff emotions, you know, good Scandinavian boy learned how to stuff every emotion, good or bad, you know, very important skill uh, where I grew up. But the reality is, is that God is full of emotions. Read your scriptures. We serve an emotional God and we need to connect with the 
appropriate spiritual emotions and the fullness and the richness of what that brings. It's good stuff. So we need to push aside the things that are the opposite of truth, lies and deception, denial, all that stuff. And as we do that, let me ask you this question. What is your relationship with truth like? How's your relationship with truth? Do you love the truth? If the truth came out, would you be relieved? Oh, truth came out. Hallelujah. Finally, people understand I'm in the right place. Or might you be an enemy of truth? You're hiding from it. It's an enemy for you. If the truth came out, you're in real trouble. You might lose your job. You might lose your family. You know, certainly people aren't going to like you anymore. You know, is the truth your enemy? Of course, we want to be in the place where truth is our friend, where we seek it out, where we embrace the truth. We stand on it and conform to the truth. Sometimes people, their relationship with truth is one of bending. You know, maybe not an enemy, always kind of to their bias, bending the truth their direction. And we don't want to be bending the truth, wanting something to be true that isn't, and just pushing it that way. And that can be not just in the selfish sense. You know, I mean, it's pretty obvious to see when people are bending the truth for their own selfish biases. But also, there are people who will bend the truth because they're just really kind people, you know, and they want to say yes. And, you know, hey, can you help me out with this next Thursday? Yes. But the answer is no. So say no. Don't say yes. You're not saying the truth. You're bending the truth. And you're hoping somehow you can figure out how to make it work on Thursday when you know you can't make that work. Just say no. That's the truth. Don't be afraid of the truth. Don't try to bend the truth, either for selfish reasons or because you're just wanting to help out. Some people have a a very distant relationship with truth, kind of naive, don't understand what's really going on, maybe too black and white to see the nuances uh, and just don't see that part of truth. Some people are just too calloused to be able to see into reality and they just had to put that barrier up to protect themselves. So what's your relationship with truth? Be a friend of truth because we must be people of truth. We must be. The followers of Jesus must be people of truth, not people of speculation, not people of groupthink, you know, where you got to say certain things to fit in. Years ago, I was taking a psychology class and there was a chapter, I think, on the, the psychology of belief. And they asked questions, you know, why do people believe what they believe? And they had this list. There's six or eight things on this list. And they were things like, well, somebody they like uh, is associated with that, so they believe it. Something bad happened when they did that, so they believe the opposite. Something good happened when they believed that, so then now they believe it. You know, somebody they don't like is associated with it, so they don't believe it. And there wasn't one option on that list that was, they believe it because it's true. It was not in the list. And it just drove me bonkers. I'm like, you can't possibly teach people in a textbook that they believe what they believe, never based on truth. It made me angry, but then I looked at reality and how do you sell stuff? Say you want to sell a beverage of some kind. You get somebody famous that everybody likes who's never drank that beverage before and you have them go, hey, I really like this. And then everybody buys it. Got nothing to do with anything. But it's very effective. Very, very effective. 
So we need to make sure that we override just our natural inclinations to believe this, to believe that based on these other reasons and make sure that we're trying to see the truth as objectively and as powerfully as possible. We must seek truth. So how do we do that? The belt of truth is the first part of the armor of God. How do we put on the belt of truth? Because again, it doesn't do us any good to listen to a sermon about truth, to read out the Ten Commandments and no, do not give false testimony and all that stuff. And then know that, but go on and keep living a life that's separated from truth. How do we, how do we put on the belt of truth? I got five steps here. Step number one, start over by confessing your sin. All right. Be forgiven and set free. Quit pretending. Very important. Because if you're like most people, you've got a complicated relationship with truth. And there's some things that need to be brought out in the proper environments so that you can start over. 1 John 1, 8 through 10 says this. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. How many people in here are perfect in every way? The good news is we serve a God that when we come to him with our sins and our failures and our imperfections, that he doesn't condemn us, but he forgives us, sets us free from those things and brings us into new life. This is what happened last week in Acts chapter 19. We're talking about the seven sons of Shiva and how you can't fake your way through the spiritual battle. And there were these guys that were trying to fake their way through the spiritual battle. And then the demon came and beat them all up. And everybody saw that. And they were like, oh man, we got to get real with God because this is, this is not okay. We don't want something to happen to us like what happened to them. And this was their response, Acts 19, 18 and 19 that we read last week. Many of those who believe now came and openly confessed what they had done. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas, which is about $5 million in our currency. So this was a significant, significant moment in time where they're like, okay, I'm going to confess my sins. I'm not going to put up a front anymore and pretend I'm doing things that I'm not or that I'm not doing things that I, that I am. And I'm going to clean my house out. And they burned the scrolls, $5 million worth of ungodly stuff. These people burned like they just got real with God and started over. They repented, they confessed, and they started fresh. That's what we need to do. And I tell you what, don't do this just in church. Don't make it a religious thing, you know, where you just, you know, I got to repent. I'm in church. I'm going to do that. Ask for forgiveness. Just do this all day long, every day. You're at work. You make a little minor mistake. Somebody says, why did you do that? Just say, oh, shoot, my bad. Sorry. I, I just got that wrong. Just do that all day long. Be a friend of truth, even if it's not going your direction. All day long. Start over by confessing your sin. And in normal everyday life, my bad, just be honest. So that's step one. Start over by confessing your sin, believing in the forgiveness of God and the cleansing of God, and then go forward living in the truth. Step two, look in the mirror and come to peace with who you are. If we're not comfortable with who we are, we're going to live a life separate from truth. So look in the mirror and come to peace with who you are. And then when you get over your disappointment, 
realize if you've done step one, you're a child of God. You're created by the the creator of the universe. You're the only one who is you. You are unique and beautiful in the eyes of God, and you have a purpose. God has a plan for you. You are significant and important. So just be who you are. Don't pretend to be somebody else. So step one, start over by confessing your sins. Step two, look in the mirror and come to peace with who you are. Here's the deal with starting over by confessing your sins. You might as well do that now because the truth is going to come out. None of us can hide forever because God sees everything and there will be a judgment day and it's all coming out. So we might as well just get comfortable with that idea and start now. Let's go to Romans chapter 2. Six through eight, God will repay each person according to what they have done. It's in quotes because it's in the Old Testament twice. To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. God sees everything. He knows everything. Thinking that we're hiding stuff is just another deception. So let's go ahead and be honest right now because God already knows. Now, the good news about that is God knows all of that and he loves you right now in the midst of all that. He's not thinking, oh man, I can hardly wait till they get straightened out so I can care about them. No, God loves you right now. I don't care how messed up you are. And he's rooting for you to get free. He's rooting for you to get to that place where you're right there in the center of God's will, purified and cleansed from all unrighteousness and grabbing hold of God's plan and purpose for your life. He's rooting for that. So the truth is all going to come out anyway. We might as well walk in it now. So start over by confessing your sins, look in the mirror and come to peace with who you are. And then, you know, Understand, if you've chosen to walk with God, you are a child of God. Step three, look out the window and come to peace with what's out there. This is a messed up world. Just look at it and see, just observe. And when you get over your disappointment, just try to help out. Try to make things a little better. Don't pretend things are different than they are. Don't hide your head in the sand. Just go ahead and look. Look out the window and see what's real and then do something to try to help out. Matthew 7, 7 and 8, some very important verses to me again. Matthew 7, 7 and 8 says this, ask and it will be given to you. Again, this is Jesus still in the Sermon on the Mount, like in Matthew 6. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. So God commands us to seek. It's not even just given it as an option. Seek. We should seek. We should look. And when we look, we'll notice beautiful things and we'll notice broken things. But let's be a friend of truth and just see what's there. And then let's do our part to make it a little bit better. Start over by confessing your sins. Look in the mirror. Come to peace with who you are. Look out the window. Come to peace with what's out there. Step four, seek truth from trustworthy sources. It's very important. There are many, many different influences competing for your mind and your heart. So you must seek truth from trustworthy sources. What's the best, most trustworthy source? Let's go with 
the Bible, the holy, inspired, inerrant word of God. Read this for yourself. We read scripture verses all the time in church because it's so important for us to be looking in the scriptures, not hearing what Pastor Mike's opinion is. Who cares what my opinion is? My opinion doesn't matter for anything. The truth of the Bible is what matters. So we need to look at the word of God. So read it for yourself. Don't even just trust me. Go, huh, that was interesting. Let me go check it out. Otherwise, you might fall into one of these scenarios. Luke 6, 39 and 40, Jesus is talking. He also told them this parable. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. So if the blind lead the blind, they both fall into a pit. And if you're following a teacher, you're going to end up like them. So you need to make sure that you are following trustworthy sources. Let's look to the scriptures first. Then surround yourself with people of truth. You want to be around people of truth. Because the old adage, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Surround yourself with people of truth. And then as far as seeking truth from trustworthy sources, learn how to pray and hear from God. Spend time in prayer. If you can hear from God, you know, the Bible is great, but it doesn't deal with whether or not you should take that job. That's not in here. You got to learn to hear from God on things like that. So pray, learn to hear from God, seek the truth in the scriptures for yourself and surround yourself with people of truth. And then step five, live your life in accordance with the truth. This is how you actually put on the belt of truth. So you have to live your life in accordance with the truth. No longer living your life bending the truth. No longer living your life hiding from the truth. No longer living two separate lives, but coming together. Now, of course, this doesn't mean that everything is everybody's business, right? You know, confess your sins one to another. It doesn't mean that everyone you meet, you want to confess all your sins to. That's not what we're talking about. But find trustworthy people that you can share with. You can take the front down. You can be completely honest with. It's very important to be able to do that so that you can live your life in accordance with the truth. That's how you put on the belt of truth. James 1.22 from last week. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. If you hear about truth, but you're not living according to truth, then you have not put on the belt of truth. No matter how many times you re-listen to the sermon, no matter how many verses you memorize, if you're not living according with the truth, you haven't put on the belt of truth. You're deceiving yourself. We don't want that. We want to actually live in accordance with truth. And then John 8, 31 and 32. Fantastic. Two verses here. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. So what he's saying there is, if you don't just hear what I say, but you actually do it, then you are my disciples. Other people are just hearers. You want to be a disciple. You want to do what Jesus says. You want to live in accordance with the scriptures. Verse 32, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. There's, this is amazing. It's like there's the teachings of Christ. Then we live them out. After that, we know the truth. So are the teachings of Christ true? Absolutely. But it's just words until we live it out. Just quickly, how many people also in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In here, Jesus says, love your enemies. What do you do with that? Well, you try to put it into practice. And then you learn some things. You learn things like, this is not a simple decision. I can't just choose to love my enemies. 
I can try to do that, but I find out that it's not actually happening. And you have a battle to go through. You have things that you need to accomplish in the spirit in order to get to the place where you can love your enemies. You start to realize things like, oh, that person who I find obnoxious has been through their garbage and a lot of the abuse and the harm that they've experienced in life and the darkness that has hit them is going through them and hitting me. And so now I can understand the pain they're in and you can love them because you understand the context. You start to realize things like forgiveness has a whole lot more to do with what happens in my heart and the freedom I get from it than it does to the other person. You start to learn these things as you try to put it into practice. But if you just are like, yeah, I love your enemy. I can't do that. Well, here's the things I agree with and I'm going to live over here. Then you're, you're living these, this dual life and that's not a life of truth. Many of the things that Jesus commands aren't simple choices. The things we battle through and it can take years to just start making some progress. But we battle through because that's what truth is all about. So we must be people of truth. We must put on the belt of truth. Doesn't do any good to have heard the sermon. Will you live your life in accordance with the truth? Do you want to be a person of truth? I'll just recap those five steps real quick. You start by confessing your sins and starting over. This is something that is going to need to happen several times in your life where you got to get this stuff straightened out. Now, when you confess your sins, again, don't do that to every human being you've ever met. Find some, some trusted people, an accountability partner, an accountability group, a pastor, someone that you can trust, that you can share certain things with, because not everything is everybody's business. But we need to get forgiven and free. And if we're hiding things, we can't get free from those things that we're hiding because we're keeping them. We need to let them out. Step one, start over. Step two, look in the mirror and come to peace with who you are. Step three, look out the window and come to peace with what's out there. Step four, seek truth from trustworthy sources, the scriptures, people who are walking with God, and then learn to pray and hear from God. And step five, live your life in accordance with the truth each day going forward. Our closing verse is going to be 1 John 1, 9 that we read earlier. This was a memory verse for me years and years ago, one of the very first memory verses I ever did. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Two steps in that. He'll forgive us. Hallelujah. But he'll also purify us. So our job is to confess our sins. God's job is to forgive us and to purify us. So let's go before the Lord. We're going to have a time of, of just quietly in our heart, not out loud, of just confessing our sins, coming before the Lord and, and starting over. Heavenly Father, thank you. Your word says you are faithful and just, and you confess our sins. I think that's past just. I think that's merciful. It's, it's gracious. It's redemptive. Thank you, Lord, that when we sin, when we fail, when we fall, when we mess our lives up, when we hurt people, that you don't reject us. But when we come before you and we confess our sins, you forgive us, and then you set us free. You purify us from all unrighteousness. Lord, let us believe that verse and come to you quickly so that we can be free. So right now, Lord, we confess because we want to be free. We don't want to live two lives, one where we're pretending, but we know if the truth comes out, it's all going to fall apart. But Lord, we want to live consistent with the truth. So Lord, we come to you. Hear our hearts and our confessions. And Lord, let your forgiveness be felt, be real. 
Let your purification, that means you don't have to keep repeating these things, but, but you can be free. Let your purification come, Lord, and cover us. Set us free so that we can live according to the truth. Thank you, Lord, for your love. And Father, for each of us, help us to be people of truth as we endeavor to walk in your ways. Show us, teach us, and keep, Lord, keep forgiving and purifying us. So we give you praise. I pray a blessing over each one. Lord, let your peace, your joy, and your love be over us all. In Jesus' name, amen.